0: Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So, in today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about the five mental health musts. So, as you guys know, I've long struggled with maintaining a stable and positive mental health. Basically, what I want to do today is to outline the five best things that I've found for my mental health. This isn't an exclusive list, and there's more things that I do, but the five things that in general I need to do daily that help keep my mental state stable. If I don't do these things consistently, my mental health becomes sort of a bit unstable and it starts to drop. So number one, exercise. I can't stress the importance of exercise enough. At the time you get this endorphin rush, it feels good, and you know, the, the, the brain chemicals that are released basically just makes your brain feel good. It's it's hard to explain unless you're actually doing it. But if you've heard the term runners high before, it's true. It doesn't have to just be running, it can be any form of exercise. For me personally, I like to run, I like to lift weights, but my main form of exercise is a martial art known as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I like that martial art because it's highly social, it's quite cognitive, as in you have to think about it a lot. There's a clear progression. And it's just enjoyable for me. It feels primal. You know, it's a martial arts, so you're fighting it every night. And that might sound bad, but it's a form of release. You know, and the, the friendship groups and all that sort of stuff that you get from training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. I would suggest that everyone tries it. But beyond that, I would suggest that everyone finds an exercise that they like. So it doesn't have to be like exercise shouldn't be shouldn't be a chore you know, I I speak to some people and they're like, I don't like exercise. And it's not that I I don't think that they don't like exercise. I think it's that they don't like the exercises that they've tried. So, you know, you could get a really good workout playing ping pong, for example. You could get a really good workout swimming or dancing or, you know, bushwalking, kayaking, motorbiking. Like, you know, playing fetch with your dog. There's there's so many different forms of exercise that you could do. So if you if you're in this situation where you're like, oh, I don't like exercise, I really want you to try and expand your horizons and just try a bunch of different stuff. Basically, if you move your body a lot and it sort of gets your heart rate up, gets you pumping, that's exercise. And to find something that's fun. I mean, like, let's say you and a few friends got some Nerf guns and run around a forest shooting each other that's a form of exercise that would be quite fun for some people if you can get some exercise in and do it daily the 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 benefits beyond the sort of chemical endorphin release are just crazy you exercise is one of the best things you can do for yourself if i heard a quote once that was something along the lines of if you if you could bottle. If you could put the benefits of exercise into a pill, it would be the best-selling pill of all time. It helps you to reduce weight. It helps you to, like I said, the mental health benefits. It helps to fix so many problems. Any joint pain, any, any issues can really be addressed through proper exercise. The more you exercise, the more energetic you feel. You actually feel energized after the exercise session. It's hard for people that don't exercise to sort of grasp that because they do the exercise session and they're they're, they're puffed out, they're pooped, they have no idea what they're feeling, they're just exhausted. But that probably means that you've went a bit too hard that session. You need to scale it back and just sort of, you want to end the session a bit tired, a little bit sore, but not completely wrecked. And if you can do that and consistently do that, you'll definitely see the benefits. So give it a try. Number two meditation. Meditation is basically a way to calm the mind down and bring it back into the present moment. It helps you to sort of let go of the anxiety and the worry about the future and those sort of depressive past ruminations, because what you're trying to constantly do is bring your mind back to the present moment. I like a form of meditation that basically focuses on the breath. I'll sit there for say, eight to 25 minutes. I'm, I'm sort of like playing around with the times, but eight minutes is a great starting point. Sitting down and just slowly calm myself down with some slow, deep breaths, and then sort of bring my awareness to the sensation of the breath leaving the nose. When my mind begins to wander, when I lose track of my thoughts, when I hear something externally, when I feel something, that's okay. That's going to happen. But the act of meditation is bringing the attention back to the sensation of the breath, leaving the nose. And, you know, you'll regularly, when I try this, I regularly stuff up in the sense that my attention wanders. That's okay. That's the whole point. The point is to bring the attention back to the breath, to that point of focus, to this present moment, just focusing on the sensation of the breath, leaving and entering the nose. Any mental, any mental stimulus that comes up, any Any thoughts, any ruminations, any feelings, emotions, they're all to be just acknowledged, let go of, and then you just bring those thoughts back to the breath. Meditation has really helped me to settle my mind down and just focus on what's happening now. It allows me to see the thoughts as separate from me in the sense that when I'm in a bad mental state, when I'm ruminating, when I'm anxious, when I'm sort of mentally afflicted, A thought will come and it's very strong and it sort of takes me, takes me with it. So I, an anxious thought will come and then I'm sort of, I am anxiety, if that makes sense. Whereas the more I meditate, the more I can sort of step back, slowly step back, detach from my thoughts and see them as a passing stimulus. So for example, if you just listen and you hear a car going by, you don't attach yourself to the car, do you? You don't go, oh, well, I'm that car. You acknowledge that that car is a passing stimulus. The same thing is starting to happen and will start to happen for you with your thoughts. They become less powerful. It's sort of like you're seeing them on a TV screen as opposed to being them. There are so many different resources for meditation. The best one that I've discovered is a book called The Mind Illuminated. And if you check the the show notes, I'll put a link to the Amazon store where you can grab yourself a copy. This is a book written by a guy who's basically a lifelong meditator, but also a PhD in neuroscience. So basically, he's looking from the brain scientifically and internally, and he's this book has put those two worlds together and explained meditation better than any book I've ever discovered. So if you're interested in learning more, I can't recommend this book more highly. It's called The Mind Illuminated, so grab yourself a copy. Number three, cut down on sugar and caffeine. So... For me, I noticed that having sugar and having caffeine both impact my mental state in different ways. But we'll start with sugar. For the last couple of months, I've been completely off sugar. That means no sugar treats, no added sugar, or all that sort of stuff. I'll still eat fruit and sort of those naturally occurring sugars, but I'm not adding any honey or sugar or anything like that to my meals. I've noticed since cutting down sugar that my mental state has been quite sharp, in the sense that I feel, I just feel just like my brain's working at a higher pace. It's hard to express, but it's like, do you know when you when you sort of are just in the zone, you just feel on, and you know, you just are able to operate in a very quick, snappy level. That's how I'm feeling just, it's like my general mental state is sort of lifted up a rung. And that's I've noticed that since, you know, I was slowly cutting down the sugar over like a year and then I completely cut it. And once I completely cut it, my God, it just felt like I was able to remember more. It felt like I was able to keep going for longer. It felt just better. The other thing that I found that cutting sugar has done for me is that I've stopped that that sugar spike and sugar drop. So every time you have sugar, it's like a massive rush of energy to your system. The problem with that is, is that is that we don't really have the ability to process much sugar very quickly cuz you know if you think about it refined sugar all of the added sugar all of the desserts it's not natural for what our bodies evolved to do it's not a natural thing so when we have this you know when we eat a chocolate bar or a dessert or you know a couple of te- te- teaspoons of sugar in our coffee or whatever it we spike and then we drop and that that height and lowering of mood is just completely detrimental to your mental health because your mood's getting thrown around all over the place chemically, basically. So for me, now that I've cut sugar, I've noticed that my mood is far more stable. My range of moods is a lot less variant. That means that I'm not going crazy high and I'm not going crazy low as often. I'm still, you know, getting the impacts of mental illness and all that sort of stuff, but it's more that my mood doesn't fluctuate as wildly. I can't, I can't stress enough the 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 benefit that cutting sugar has done to my life in that regard. Not only that, but I'm you know losing body fat. I'm looking better. It's multiple benefits, but purely to a mental state thing. My mood isn't isn't rising and isn't falling. If you if you want to try this, or when I get onto talking about caffeine. If you're cutting or changing any habits, just please go slow because I've tried to cut it out like cold turkey from, you know, using it, eating it often and it just takes a long time. And if you go cold turkey, there's that risk of failure. I will suggest cutting it down slowly and keep cutting, keep cutting, keep cutting until you're, you know, until you can really cut it out completely long term. That being said, some people have been able to cut sugar or, you know, quit smoking, anything like that cold turkey, but I just find that it's a better approach to try and change your habits slowly. Same thing with caffeine. I find I do drink coffee, but not often. And the reason I don't drink it often is because it's, it's a stimulant. And for someone like me that has issues with anxiety, I find that that stimulating effect of the coffee is quite, well, it's not really needed for a start because my mental state's already up, And it sort of tips me over the edge. So if let's say I'm already sort of a bit feeling a bit anxious or a feeling a bit energetic mentally, the coffee will tip me over that edge and sort of push me into the realms of anxiety. And that's really not, not something that I want to be sort of adding to my, you know, my mental state, if I can help it. I've, I've found through just talking to other people that have anxiety issues that they, they realize that, you know, energy drinks are toxic for them and, Coffees can be quite toxic as well, and even sometimes, for some people, caffeinated teas. Once again, if, you th- if you're suffering from anxiety, consider cutting the, co- the coffee consumption down, because you may find that it is being quite detrimental to your mental health. It won't fix everything cutting it out, but it will definitely help you. Okay, number four. Number four, I'm calling it journaling, or basically free writing. So every day I have a journal that I write in and I try and sort of fill a little page. It's a little A5 notebook. So it's not much, but the whole point is that it's like a counseling session. So as you know, I'm a massive advocate of seeing a therapist. Okay. So if you, if you can get your, get your hands on a good therapist and see them at least once a month, it, it definitely helps. However, I know a lot of people are a bit shy to do that, or not willing to take that step, or they can't afford it, or it's not available where they live. But what is available to everyone is a pen and a paper. I like journaling because basically the paper listens. It's non-judgmental, and you don't even have to read it afterwards. The whole idea is that you'll get stuff out of your head, onto the paper, and that act of of expression, the act of getting your thoughts out there, is what helps. I'm not a psychologist, but I've noticed that in my therapy sessions where I go to and, you know, all of the stuff that I've read about it, it seems that a lot of the therapy is literally just the person expressing it and making sense of it themselves. So I've applied that to writing. If I write it down, if I express it, it's just me getting it out of my brain. And it just sort of helps to just put it out in the open, shine the light of your consciousness on it, and it just helps you to just deal with it from a detached Sort of safer perspective. So, for example, today I just wrote about my experiences at training last night. I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, like a revelatory experience. I'm like, oh, if I do this and that, I'll be able to do my jujitsu better. So it's a bit mundane, but I also wrote down that I've realised that I should check social media once per day, and I should, you know, respond to comments and likes and all of that sort of stuff just once. Because what I've noticed is that I would wake up, I would check my social media, and then if, you know, given what I'm talking about here, people share with me some fairly intense um, stuff that can really stick with me for, for quite a lot of time. So what I did the day before was I woke up and checked my social media, and then I attempted to, you know, do my meditation and sort of get, get my day going. The problem with that was that there was a couple of things that were told to me that was quite emotionally distressing. And that sort of stuck with me for the rest of the day. I hadn't done my meditation. I hadn't done my exercise. And basically, I wasn't in the mental state to be able to handle such emotionally distressing stuff. Now, this isn't to say that I'm not happy to talk through with people or hear that sort of stuff. But what it is saying to me is that I need to guard my mental state. I need to. I need to sort of, you know, do the things that can help get me ready for the day that I'm going to have. Does that make sense? So the journaling sort of really sort of got that whole process out and made me aware of that. So now moving forward, I know when I wake up, I won't check my social media straight away. What I will do is meditate. I'll exercise. I'll have some food. I'll sort of get myself in the mental state. I'll get myself ready. And then I'll do the responding to social media. Then I'll be in a better mental state, not only... So that I'm protected, but also so I can give the best response to the people that want the responses from me, from you guys. Does that make sense? The whole reason I'm I'm sort of addressing this is because I got that knowledge through journaling. But beyond all of that, give it a try. Now, a common a common response that people will have given to me when I talk about this is that one, I don't know how to write, or two, I'm not, you know, I've got nothing to say. Both of these problems are sort of, diff, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't sort of relevant to the, the act of journaling. You don't have to read what you wrote. So you're not trying to be grammatically correct. You're not trying to win any prizes. You're not doing it as a book. It's just to just express yourself. So you don't, 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 don't worry about what it sounds like. It's not for anyone else. And you don't even have to look at it. You can if you like, but you don't have to. So, so it's literally just to get it out there. The second thing is if you're not sure what to write, just start writing anything, even along the lines of, I am doing this journal today because it will help me with my mental health, or I'm not sure what to write, but I'm going to start writing anyway, and just get that down and start flowing. You might, you know, just write down what's happening in your life right now, as in like the dog's barking, I heard a car, right? Just get started. Once the pen starts flowing, things will start coming out, and then it will be a battle of how much how how much do you want to write? how how far deep into your consciousness do you want to get out? because when you start expressing yourself, it sort of opens up this little little sort of floodgate of emotions that will start coming out. you know, do go slow, take it easy, don't don't hurt yourself, but let let a little bit of those emotions out. turn turn the tap of emotion on and start writing that down and getting it out. And like I said, After the fact, you can chuck that piece of paper out. You can ceremoniously, you know, burn it if you like. It doesn't matter. The act of writing is itself beneficial to your mental state. Give it a try. Number five, find meaning. So this one's a little bit broad, but the basic premise is this. I like to fill my days as much as possible with meaningful activities. So... I know that everyone has to work, and I know that there's, you know, house tasks and obligations and commitments that everyone has to do. I get that. But when, when those tasks are done and I'm free, I like to do things that I find are meaningful. So for me, that is, at the moment, a lot of writing. Like this podcast, for example, the videos that I'm shooting, these activities have a deep sense of meaning to me, because it's helping me, and it's helping a bunch of other people to sort of work out their mental state, and it just seems like a good thing to do, that it feels like a bit of a, a bit more like a, a life calling for me. So every day I try and do something, just at least one thing, as much as possible, but at least one thing that is meaningful to me. What I find meaningful and what you find meaningful will be completely different, but I've really found that the more I start pursuing my dreams, the more I start doing things that I'm actually want to get done in life, the better I feel. And you know, I harp on about this a lot, but you, there, there's such a limited amount of time you've got every day, right? That you know, like if you've got, if you sleep eight hours, work eight hours, you've now got eight hours to eat, rest, relax, recover, play, socialise, right? So, you've got to really work out what or how you want to fill that time, and you know what you want to be doing for that time. Because for me, I, I know I say I joke with my wife about this all the time. I'm like, imagine if we were watching TV, like we wouldn't get anything done. We we just we don't we don't watch TV, right? Because basically, it's not meaningful for us. Because if we did, it would cause us to not have that same time to do things that we do find. As a meaningful activity, I want to suggest to you that, that it's it's vitally important to start looking at what you do enjoy, what you do find meaningful, and start implementing that into your life. I used to watch TV, and I'm I'm, I'm going on about TV because unless you're unless you really value it, unless it's like a social activity, it's not. It doesn't really add much to your life. You know, like people sort of turn it on and they get they get that sort of relaxation from it and that's fine, but then they watch for an hour and they might have only planned to watch for an hour, but then the next show comes on and the next one and the next one and then all of a sudden your night's gone and then you need to go to bed, you need to get up for work and then that whole day repeats a week, a month, a year later and you're no closer to your dreams. I noticed that was happening. So like with the sugar, like with the other things, I started slowly cutting it down One thing that I suggest to people to do is to look at how much TV time they're using and cut it down by a third. So let's say you watch three hours per night. I think the average American watches four and a half hours of screen time. So that's like TV, YouTube, Netflix, etc. So let's say you're on, say, three hours. Cut it down by a third. So that means the next day you're going to watch two hours. But now you've got one hour of time to do something. In that one hour, use it to find some sort of meaning. So start a hobby, read a book, write a book, play an instrument, practice, spend time with friends and family, do something that is, that you'll be able to look back upon with fond memories, with proudness, you know, and that'll be completely different for you. I can't give you what that is. I can help you to discover that for you, but it's going to be different. After a few months, you've now got two hours of TV time per night cut it down by a third again add that extra third to your, your 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 meaningful time in 3 months again cut it down by another third eventually you're going to get to a stage where you know how much tv time you need daily as a relaxation okay and that might be 1 hour it might be 30 minutes it might be 2 hours i don't know might be no no tv time who knows the point is is that you're going to you're going to use the tv time for example as a tool Use it to relax. Use it as an enjoyment. But don't overuse it. And get that time back. Put that time into exercising. Put that time into something you actually find meaning. Because after a year's time, you'll go, Oh my God, I can actually play the guitar now. I've written this book. I've learnt how to kayak. I've, you know, travelled somewhere I wanted to. You've you, I've, I've, I've ticked something off the bucket list. It's doing meaningful activities makes you makes your life have a purpose because I know for me personally just going to work every day to earn money to be able to live and just repeating that cycle over and over again doesn't seem inherently it seems inherently pointless unless I'm doing something meaningful as well. So for me it's a massive antidepressant. So they're the five exercise, meditation, Cut Sugar and Caffeine, Journal Daily, and Find Meaning. Please let me know what you think of this list and what you think is a mental health must. And if you like this podcast, I really must insist that you share it with people for two reasons. One, the actual content could help them, but two, it will show them that you are someone that is open and available to, to, to talk about mental health issues. Okay, and this is a way that you can help to break the stigma and open up those communication channels. They might not respond immediately, but they will know that you are someone that's safe to talk to. So if something happens and they need support, if they're, you know, at risk of suicide or self-harm or addictive behavior or whatever, they may come to you for support. And when they do, you can be like, hey, I'm hearing you. I feel you. Let's refer you to some experts, refer you to some support groups or just... If you're happy to listen and happy to help them out, you can. It can literally help save people's lives. Don't just share this, share everything related to mental health and mental illness with them. So that's the pictures, the memes, the blogs, the podcasts, the videos. The more you share, the more you talk, the more you'll find other people sharing and talking and you'll be able to develop this connection based around open and honest discussions of mental health. And trust me, the more we can connect on this, the better everyone will feel. Finally, I just want to mention a couple of things. I've found out that a couple of my podcast listeners don't know that I do videos. I've got a YouTube channel with probably a thousand videos on there. I'll link that below. And they're basically one to ten minute talks similar to the podcast. So check those out. I'll link that below. And finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're liking what I'm doing, please like it, please review it wherever you're listening. And if you can, I would love you to support me on Patreon. Patreon's a way that you can support content creators by um, monthly contributions. I'm only asking for a one dollar monthly contribution. That's the smallest amount possible. The reason being is that one dollar on your end will be basically unnoticeable. One dollar per month, you won't even you won't even realise it's gone. But on my end, if a bunch of people get together, it will make a massive difference. It'll give me the time to be able to produce more podcasts, write more blogs, make more videos, create more books, and just get some content out there. And that will not only make more podcasts like this one, but also help to reduce mental health, um, mental illness stigma in general. So head over to Patreon.com/slash Zach P Phillips and check it out. For for everyone that does support me for $1 or more, I will make a video or a podcast or a blog where I respond to and answer one of your questions, and there are also some other bonuses for people that decide to support me for a larger amount. For example, $10 uh, per month, I will write a handwritten thank you postcard. For $50, you will get unlimited email coaching, and for $150 per month, um, you'll get the unlimited email coaching as well as a 45-minute phone-based, like Skype-based coaching session each month. So if you're interested in any of that, head over to patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips, and please support me. It really helps. Thank you.